This is episode 52, Can You Change Someone? with Lindsay. Welcome to Over It and On With It. I'm your host, Christine Hassler, and for over a decade, I've been a life coach, speaker, and author. Each week, you'll hear me work directly with a caller as I coach them through a goal they want to accomplish or an obstacle they may be facing. I'll provide a blend of practical and spiritual advice as well as tangible actions you can apply to your own life. Now, let's get on with the episode. Hi, everybody. Thanks again so much for listening and for your support of the show. I want to thank those of you who rated and reviewed the show. It really helps support the growth of this podcast and the growth of the healing and learning we're doing here. So if you have a second, just go to iTunes, look up over it and on with it, click on the rating. You can just press a button and leave a rating, or you can go and write a review as well. That's always very much appreciated. So it's been about 10 months since this podcast launch, and there have been so many themes that have emerged from the show. And one of the biggest is that we are spiritual beings having a human experience. Not the first person to say that. On a core level, we are all whole, complete, and connected. We are love. Everything we need is on the inside. That happiness and fulfillment that we're looking for do not come from external things. But on the human level, we all go through things in our life that make us think something is wrong with us or something is missing. And we find ways to compensate or look for something external to make us feel a certain way. We temporarily forget the truth of who we are and the truth about where true contentment really comes from. But we can never totally forget. What personal growth and healing is really about is getting back to the truth, becoming more and more aware of the love we are by looking inside, bringing love to the places that haven't felt love or that have been hurt, and finding the contentment we are looking for out there in here. And often it takes challenging times and expectation hangovers to reawaken the truth. I was reminded of all this over the weekend when I attended the University of Santa Monica's graduation and USM is where I went to school and got my master's in spiritual psychology and also served on faculty there for three years. It's an amazing place. And our keynote speaker this year was Robert Holden, who I'm lucky to call a personal soul friend. He is just a gem. Oh my goodness. If you don't know him, look him up, read his books. Definitely going to have him on the podcast soon. His commencement speech was just off the charts amazing. One of the many things I wrote down that he said is, there's no dark night of the soul, only dark nights of the ego. So consider that for a moment. You see, the soul never suffers. The soul never forgets the truth of who you are. And the soul is always there with unconditional love, compassion, and guidance for the human part that does have some dark nights. And that darkness is not bad. It's often how we learn. I've said many times that we learn through contrast. Often it is going through suffering that gets us to deeper levels of love. Is suffering necessary? I don't necessarily think so, but it seems given the world's current level of consciousness, this is kind of the way it is. But as more and more of us wake up and change the way we parent, change the way we work, change the way we run companies, change the way we do politics, change the way we operate in the world more and more from fear and ego to love and soul, the more we will raise up a generation that will stay connected to the truth of who they are so there are less dark nights of the ego and more love expressions of the soul. I I see it happening. It's part of my mission. I'm committed to the wake up. I'm committed to the change. 
I see consciousness changing. And if you're listening to this show, you are part of the awakening. So thank you. Another thing that Robert said is when we hear a big truth, like with a capital T, it's not like we're hearing new information. It's not surprising. Truth has a resonance. So even if we're hearing the words or concept for the first time, there's a part of us, our soul, that recognizes it as truth. So even if there is a very human part of you suffering right now, even if you're going through a dark night of the ego, there's a part of you that resonates with what I'm sharing here. You know that love is your truth. You know you are not broken. You know you're not alone. You know that love is who you really are. Trust the truth. Trust the wisdom of your soul, especially during challenging times when your ego and old coping strategies are really trying to run the show. Which brings me to today's call. Lindsay, who I coach on the episode, is in a situation where part of her has forgotten who she truly is. She's in a relationship with a functional alcoholic and hoping that if only he would change, things would get better. But as you may already suspect, what we'll discover in the coaching session is that Lindsay's discontent really has very little to do with him. She's attempting to change him, but the change that really needs to happen is from the inside out. I want to share too that when Lindsay and I hung up, I got even more excited about the over it and on with it course that I'm creating. I haven't talked about it much. It's going to be coming out in October, but it's the first really comprehensive online course where I'm teaching you how to get over it and on with it emotionally, mentally, behaviorally, spiritually. It's going to be videos, audios, worksheets, guided meditations, and live coaching calls with me. So make sure you're subscribed at christinehassler.com for my weekly updates so you know when this is happening because I'm going to be giving an early bird discount to my community. All right. So as you're listening to this session with Lindsay, consider, are you in a relationship with someone hoping that they change? And if they did, everything would just get better. Or are you in a relationship with someone who's an addict? Could you possibly be an addict or are you using some kind of external coping strategy like alcohol, pot, TV, food, or too much work to numb your feelings or distract you from dealing with something you don't want to face? Do you acknowledge that you may have some codependence tendencies? Are you allowing beliefs like I'm running out of time to influence major life decisions like getting married or having children? Is your ego having a bit of a dark night and would you like to feel more connected to your soul? Be sure to listen to my breakdown after this call. The coaching went in a different direction than you may expect initially, and I talk about that after the call. So now on to my session with Lindsay. Well, hello, Lindsay. Welcome to the show. What's your question? Hi, thank you for having me. I love listening to your podcast. My pleasure. My question is that I have a boyfriend um, that we've been living together for two years. He's my longest relationship, and I'm concerned with his drinking. I've had past relationships where it didn't seem that they were that they had an addiction in the beginning, and then it progressively got worse throughout our relationship, and so we ended up splitting up. Um, he hasn't. It hasn't shown any indication of that in this relationship, but it's still kind of giving me a hard time with um, trusting that it's not going to go bad in the future. I hear you. I hear you. Um, And I really acknowledge you for having your eyes wide open and asking these questions. How much is he drinking? Um, He drinks a couple like each evening and then 
um, sometimes on the weekend he'll um, he'll binge drink, and I I drink too, but not. I'm a more of a social drinker. I don't sit at home and watch TV and have a beverage type. Mm-hmm. Are you drinking every day? No. Okay. No. Once in a, once in a while, every couple of weeks or so. Okay. And when he's been drinking, so by that you mean like he can't just have one or two and stop. He just drinks until he's very drunk or gets sick or something like that? Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, what is your intuition telling you about this? Well, I've tried to talk to him about it and he doesn't want to stop. And I've talked to him about having a family with him and what my concerns like with his health and that he's not going to be there. And I don't want to have kids around that type of situation, but I care about him a lot. I've um, always, I don't see myself with anyone else, but him, his drinking hasn't affected as far as like our household or his finances he gets up and goes to work every day he's very project oriented and he's always doing something so I don't it doesn't affect his daily life he doesn't need to start drinking in the morning when he wakes up um I just feel like he I just I it's kind of worries me because I don't know what's going to happen in the future obviously so it's it's just I have trouble trusting because of my past relationships with that and and I'm not really sure what to do from there. Right. So it is, it's not affecting his work life or finances or things like that, but it is affecting you because it's causing you worry and concern and anxiety. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm sure that on the evenings when he has been drinking and is disconnected from you, that that probably isn't the ideal kind of connection or Saturday night that you'd want with a partner. So let me just, just ask you a couple questions here. So you mentioned that you've been with boyfriends in the past to have had drinking problems. Did, did, was anyone in your family an alcoholic or addict of any kind? Um, not in my immediate family, like my grandparents, which I didn't really, um, I wasn't really around it, but, um, my immediate family, like my mom and my dad, they didn't drink, but they, I do recognize that I have codependent issues because my mom is depressed and I've been in a lot of um, codependent relationships as far as the men that I attracted in my life. So, um, but I haven't, they haven't been around, they haven't drank or anything like that. Okay. Okay. I'm so, so glad that you called. And I just, again, really want to acknowledge your honesty, your self-honesty and courage because even though you're having doubts about being able to trust him, not that he do something, you know, intentionally bad, what you're really right. standing in right now is trusting yourself because you're listening mm-hmm. to your intuition and all of those things. So, so let's just talk about this for a few minutes. I know you love him. That's clear, right? You love him. And you also right. with so much self-awareness, realize that you have some codependency things. And the, the yep. tricky thing about codependency is when we have codependent patterns, what feels like love sometimes isn't love. Like mm-hmm. love in the sense of healthy love. Love in the sense of, you know, I take care of me. I'm a complete whole person. Yes, I'm can still work, I'm still working on myself and evolve, evolving and you take care of you and there's not the neediness and there's not the drama and there's sort of not the, well, codependence for lack of a better word. Mm -hmm. So 
knowing that is a really important thing for you to know. Like what feels like love is, is kind of the only love that you know and is familiar kind of love. And my concern for you is not just that you may end up in a relationship with married to parenting with someone who is really showing behavior of an alcoholic, of a functional alcoholic, but also that you may miss out on what love, what healthy love really, really feels like. So there's, there's, there's two kind of concerns here. One, being in a relationship with a functional alcoholic and two, not really knowing what true love is. Is this making sense so far? Yeah. So how, how old are you now? 37. And how many years of your adult life have you not been in a relationship? Have you been single? Um, I really haven't had too many um, long-term relationships. I had a relationship that was on and off um, for three years, which I only count a year and a half of it, really. Um, and then I had... Um, another relationship that lasts about six months, but I haven't really had any long-term relationships and I've been with him for two and a half years. We've been living together for two years now. Okay. And are you feeling the pressure of, if I want to have kids, I've got to do that soon. Is that playing into this as well? Yeah. Okay. Definitely. Okay. Okay. So there's a, there's a lot at play here. Mm -hmm. Well, my guess is you, you kind of already know the answer to what you're asking me here. A little bit. (laughs) I want him to change, which I can't make him change. I hear you, sweetheart. I really do. I really do. And please don't think him not changing is anything about you. Don't take it personally with something Mm -hmm. like an addiction um, it, it's such a, it's such a personal thing inside the person and mm-hmm. he cannot change until he chooses into that. And please don't think getting married or having a baby is going to change him because right. without, yeah. without him doing the work, all that stuff could just make this worse. Right. You're in a situation here where you're going to kind of choose the familiar and choose mm-hmm. kind of like, you know, when little kids cover their eyes and plug their ears and, and pretend they can't see or hear what's going on when really yeah. like it's obvious, you know, they can. I, that's sort of the image I'm getting is like, you're kind of like, no, 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 no. I don't want to see. I don't want to hear. I just want this to be okay. And I just want to get married and have my baby and have my family and have the family and the love that I never had as a little girl. It's like, that's what you're wanting to create. And I just support you in being really, really honest about who he is. Yes. I mean, who he is in terms of his sort of ego self, personality self, who he is at his core is who we all are, loving and authentic and whole and all of those things. But he's he's in pain and you can't fix that. And the truth is you're in pain too. Because mm-hmm. of never feeling like you had that unconditional love from your parents, particularly your mom. Yeah. Absolutely. So, 
So let's talk about your mom for a second. Tell me a little bit more about that relationship. Um, she's been depressed her entire life. Um, and she, it became really apparent to me and my sister, but it my her sisters have always known about it, but me and my sister grew up with it. And when we were old enough to kind of understand, she was always moving us from house to house and then from state to state and, um, trying to be in search of happiness. And so Courtney, or my sister and I, we always kind of prepared ourselves for what if my mom wasn't there anymore? What if she had taken her life? Cause we always knew that that would be a possibility, but it didn't become like a warning. It didn't become actual real until she actually made an attempt last year. Um, so my sister and I were always kind of mentally prepared ourselves for what if that happened. Um, so we knew that she was depressed we, and she wouldn't get help. She wouldn't get medication. And finally this year she has gotten medication and she's doing so much better, which I'm thankful for. But growing up with that, knowing <laughs> that she had this depression and, um, and just hasn't been able to fend for herself. So it's been kind of hard for her us because we have walked around on eggshells our entire lives, basically. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So just complete these, this STEM sentence for me and just, there's no wrong answers, just whatever comes to mind. If I love someone, then. If I love someone, then I don't have to worry about them. Mm. I I can trust that they can take care of themselves. Mm. Mm. And is that what you're experiencing right now? Um, no, not one hundred percent. Right. Right. What are you experiencing more? Um, I'm experiencing that uh, we're living kind of a um. We're both in two independent people living our lives sometimes. We don't, um, we've been trying to work on communication and a lot more, but we're both so independent that there's a disconnect there. And, um, and when I try to talk to him about the, the one thing, this is really the only thing that concerns me about our relationship because he takes care of himself and we're partners in every other aspect is, when I try to talk to him, he, he's not very open-minded about it. Right. Well, and communication is the most important part of a relationship. The most important part. Yes. So kind of going back to what you said about your mom and that's tough to grow up with. Yeah. And moving in, I mean, she had illnesses where, and there was a lot of responsibility put on us as kids and that, isn't normal in this. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't. It doesn't feel normal mm-hmm. with the responsibility that we had to take care of her. Mm-hmm. So, what would feel normal to you? Um, my normal is has been being so independent that I. It's hard for me to open up to other people. So I, I just independence, and that's kind of where my relationship was in this aspect has been we've been both so independent from each other mm-hmm. in a lot of ways mm-hmm. but it should be a partners. 
What is your, and again, like just your level of self-honesty is amazing. So let's take it to the next level. What is your addiction? What do you use to numb, to not feel, to suppress a lot of the pain that you've been carrying around since you were little? Um, Food and TV. Okay. Again, amazing honesty. And Mm -hmm. can you see that in a lot of ways, this relationship is kind of an issue-based relationship and you're mirrors for each other? A little bit. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm not really sure about mirrors. Well, the thing that you're most scared of about him that bothers you the most about him that you judge the most about him is, is his addiction, but really addictions Mm -hmm. in so many ways are numbing devices. Um, Mm -hmm. but you, you have one too. Right. So the, the independence that you both have is another way to block intimacy, another way Mm -hmm. to self protect because and and this makes so much sense. Look at your childhood, walking on eggshells, moving around a lot, never really feeling love, like not having the developmental stage of like really feeling loved by your parent. You were more the parent mm-hmm. than your mother was, right? So mm-hmm. you didn't have a great, you know, spiritual teacher or coach or advocate there really helping you find yourself and form form accurate belief systems about love and move help move you out of kind of this codependent patterning. And so the best way that you came up with to protect yourself is to numb yourself through food and TV, to not mm-hmm. feel, to shut it off and to become super independent because there's a belief system that I can't count on anybody. So I can only count on myself. So not only yeah. is that playing out through the the food and the TV and the independence, but you've also tract, attracted someone into your life that you can't count on fully. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's kind of two, two ways to go with this. You stay with him. You stay active in your addiction. He stays active in his. You're probably going to you know, keep playing that out with each other where you're going to feel like you have to walk on eggshells. There's going to be times you feel scared. There's going to be not being able to trust yourself. We don't know if his addiction will ever go into something more than functional alcoholism. And also the more that perpetuates, the more it's going to reinforce your addiction and the way you numb yourself. And it kind of can just get worse on both ends. Mm -hmm. And I think yeah. part of you knows that. So, so knowing that and being as emotionally intelligent as you are, which I can hear, what do you think is really the healthiest choice to make in this situation? Um, I know what the healthiest choice is, but I don't want it. I want to talk to him and, and give him a chance to to make a change if he wants to. And if he doesn't want to make a change, then I, I'll probably have to disconnect from our relationship. Okay. That's a really great start. And again, I'm still hearing that part of you that wants him to change. 
So mm-hmm. here's my recommendation in terms of what I would have you consider. Um, okay. Are you in any kind of 12-step program? Are you in Al-Anon? Mm-hmm. Are you in OA? No. Okay. So before you look at him and ask him to change, I highly recommend looking in the mirror because that's what matters most. And that's, what's going to give you the clarity and the confidence to be able to complete this relationship. And here's, here's the thing. We impact people far more by changing ourselves than by asking him to change. Now I'm saying that I don't want you to have the belief that, oh, well, if I just work on myself, it'll change him. I want you to like, let go of that attachment, but really stand in the only person I can change is myself. And I'm in an active addiction. I'm in an act, I'm coping by numbing and suppressing as well. So I'm going to take care of me. And then I'm going to look at the situation. It's like part of the looking at him, looking at him, are you going to get married? Are you going to have a baby? Looking at him is another way that you stay off of you. Right. And I, you know, I have so much compassion for your journey, Lindsay. I have so much compassion and you got to deal with it now. Yeah. You've got to get some help. I've been working. Mm-hmm. I've been working on it. I've been reading more, um, I was in a really good place when I was in my 30, early, or 29, 30, where I was working out and eating better. And and then I got into a relationship that was bad and I gained all the weight back. And now I'm in a good relationship and I need, I've been, um, I joined a program so that I can lose weight and um, I'm trying to start, trying to get more motivated to work out and stuff like that. But, um, and I'm doing it. I'm taking steps to do it. And I, cause I know that that would make me feel better and be better for our relationship just because I will feel better. And all that's great, but it's not going to heal the problem here. You're not going to heal this by exercising and losing weight. No. You've got to deal with the hurt and the pain because the weight will just come and go. And it's a nice way to, again, distract. There's a, I know a lot of people who get into the diet and exercise cycle to try to, quote, unquote, lose the weight. But the weight that really needs to be released is the emotional weight, the mm-hmm. trauma, the hurt. And that can't be done through an exercise program. Keep exercising. Right. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. But I don't want your focus and your picture of health to be, oh, if I just release this weight, then that's going to make everything better. Because A, it's coming from the misunderstanding that there's something wrong with you. And B, it's just a Band-Aid fix. So this is something that, um, and I'm being real direct with you here, that you need help with, professional help. 12-step would be great. Getting a therapist would be great. If you want things to change, Mm -hmm. it's time to change from the inside out. You, you can heal this. You can shift this, but it's not going to happen at the gym. 
and it's not going to happen right. through a food and diet program. Right. Because it'll always be underlying. But if I feel better on the outside, it's not always going to cure what's on the inside. Correct. Correct. Even your boyfriend coming home and saying, I enrolled in AA, I'm never drinking again, I want to get you pregnant, let's get married tomorrow, it still wouldn't mm-hmm. fix it. No. You'd feel better for the moment, but then you'd freak out and get scared and, <laughs> you know, there's a, there's yeah. married other things that would happen. So you're right. And again, you have high emotional intelligence, nothing on the outside is going to solve this. This is, this is an inside job. And I, you know, encourage you to consider you, you live with your boyfriend. Yes. Okay. My strong encouragement would be to make a commitment to yourself, not to get pregnant, not to get engaged. If you're not ready to break up, I I understand that. Um, Mm -hmm. however, strongly encourage not to do things that can't be undone, like getting pregnant. Right. Because do you want to pass this on to your child? No. Would you like to break the generational pattern that your mother, who was doing the best she could, but your mother and your grandparents in the cycle of addiction and codependence, would you like to break that pattern, Lindsay? Yes. Okay. I would. Do you see why you can't get married and get pregnant right now? Yes. Okay. So what, what are your commitments after, after our time together today? What are you ready to commit to? To finding some, uh, either a 12 step program or a therapy, a therapist that I could, um, that I could start talking about this stuff about too. And trying to be more open in communication in my relationship. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Those are great steps. Okay. And the the 12 step Al Anon OA, there's even codependent 12 step, oftentimes in the 12 step groups. You, you know, with 12 step, you kind of have to, well, not, not always, but sometimes you have to go to a couple meetings to find a group that really like resonates with you. Um, so don't get discouraged. Mm-hmm. Go to several meetings. And a lot of times you'll connect with the community there and people might have therapists that they recommend. And so ask, because I would like you to both be in 12-step and working with a therapist, because 12-step is great. You have the community support. You have the steps. You're working it. And in a situation like this, having the one-on-one support is going to be really critical and really important for you. Mm -hmm. And having that person that can hold that space of unconditional love and compassion um, until you really learn to hold that space for yourself is a big part of your healing process. Yeah. But the problem isn't the boyfriend. The problem isn't in a relation, the relationship. You've just mm-hmm. attracted that and created that based on sort of what's, what's happened to you and the belief systems you have and what you pair love with and what you think love is. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. And can you also just tell yourself that you have plenty of time getting pregnant right now is not in the highest good for anybody and that you're <laughs> going to give yourself at least a year to become the best mother to yourself so that you can actually be a loving, healthy mother. Yes. 
Because having a baby is one thing. Being a parent is entirely different. Right, yeah. And a baby won't fix the love that you don't feel from yourself. Yeah, because sometimes I think that it would make a world of difference, but maybe it wouldn't be a good difference. I do think like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm proud of you for admitting that. And that's, you know, a lot of pressure to put on a baby coming in. You know, really, really think about that. Like imagine being a soul coming into the world and going, oh my gosh, my mother doesn't love herself and I'm responsible for fixing her entire life and making her feel loved. That's how, that's probably how I came in. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Great awareness. Probably not what you want to bring someone else in with. No. All that love that you yearn for from your, from your boyfriend and from this baby, it's on the inside, Lindsay. It is. I promise. You don't have to go learn it. It's all about remembering it and removing the layers that are in the way. And if you get some help, you'll find it. You'll remember okay. it. Yeah. Do you have a spiritual practice at all? Um. Well, I've recently started meditating, um, but I I don't really have like a regimented spiritual practice. Okay. Is that something that you're interested in? Um, I like I like the aspect that the universe is our guide and protector and not just one deity or mm-hmm. I, I like all religions really. I think that they're all beautiful. But I, um, I really, when I do think or pray, I pray to the universe to guide me. Okay. Well, maybe part of your prayer can be, please guide me to the teachers, the support, the people, the programs that will help me heal. Say universe, I'm ready to heal. I'm really ready to look. I'm ready to stop numbing. I'm ready to heal. Please help me guide me. Show me the way. Help me remember who I truly am. And if you make that a heartfelt prayer and an intention and you really get in alignment with that, and I know it can feel scary. I really get how the familiar, even though we know it's unhealthy, feels familiar. And the road to to health is often scary because there's a lot of uncertainty. But if you just lean into that prayer and lean into the support of the universe, it will guide you. Yeah, and it has helped me in many ways. So I I just never thought of asking that question. Beautiful. Are you willing to start asking it? Yeah. Good. Good. Was this helpful to you? Absolutely. Yeah, okay. Thank you so much. I asked Lindsay to stay accountable to me in terms of getting help, and she did agree to that. It's important when we start making changes that feel scary, even though they're healthy. Remember, oftentimes the changes that are healthy feel really scary because they're new. The unhealthy often feels familiar because we've been in it so long, so it's a little more comfy. So it's important, like I said, when we start making these changes to not only get professional support, but to have accountability because our ego doesn't like it when we change. It likes to hold on to those old patterns that make us feel safe and in control. The ego craves certainty. So as we start to grow in consciousness, sometimes the ego 
holds on a little tighter. Again, if you're stepping into change, if you're looking and dealing with some issues that maybe you've been carrying around for a while, get help, get support. It's challenging to do totally on our own. So let's talk about this call a little bit. I can appreciate that it probably would have been reasonable to advise Lindsay to get out of the relationship. You know, from listening, you probably were able to deduce that he is a functional alcoholic and he's not going to change unless he chooses to. And it is a bit of a codependent relationship. On a personal level, I hope she does take a break from the relationship and focus on her own healing. But I had a feeling that if I just coached her in that direction, it would shut her down. In a way, he's part of her addiction. You heard that she loves him, even though deep down she knows he's an addict. But she's very familiar with that codependent love. It it feels safe. It feels familiar. It feels like mom. So if the advice was simply leave, she may have gotten defensive. Her ego would have started to run the show. And the deeper awareness she got to may not have been possible. So my job as a coach is to connect her back to her own inner resources So I asked a lot of questions and you heard that Lindsay did start to connect a lot of her own dots. She acknowledged her codependent patterns that came out of her relationship with her mother. And it's so important we give somebody the dignity of their process instead of highly encouraging them to make a move that they may not be ready to make. Lindsay's had a lot of challenging experiences and is dealing with her own addictions So it was important to get her to the space of first having compassion and understanding for herself so she could be open to taking some steps, like attending a 12-step meeting and getting a counselor. This may have been a slightly uncomfortable call to listen to because it may have brought up some awareness around your own addictions and numbing devices. What do you use to avoid feeling and dealing? Is it TV? Is it food? Is it work? Is it spending too much time on the internet? Are you in a relationship with someone you're really working on changing and it's taking up a lot of your energy mentally, emotionally, and that's distracting you from your own work? Perhaps it's time to feel and deal, to reach out for support. And again, this is why I'm creating the Over It and On With It course, because I want to give you even more tools and resources to feel and deal and heal. Also, going back to the boyfriend for just a moment, notice I also didn't make him the bad guy in the situation. Yes, it seems like he's a functional alcoholic, but he's doing the best he can at the moment. We have to give him the dignity of his process too. And Lindsay is choosing into the relationship. He's not forcing her to be with him. So why does she keep choosing this? Well, like I said, it's familiar and it's a mirror. He is a true soulmate because the discomfort he's triggering in her is making her look at herself. So in that way, he's the perfect match. And hopefully, Lindsay will work on herself and have the courage to perhaps complete this relationship so they can both go and do their own healing. And we'll see that a codependent relationship is not love. Or perhaps her own healing will inspire healing in him. But I want to really emphasize here, so really hear me, we cannot change people. Please don't let your desire to change, be attached to, oh, if only I change, he'll change too, or she'll change too. Stay on you. Yes, I have seen that when people heal, when they break generational patterns in their family, when they get sober, 
other people in their family or spouses also may wake up, but it's not 100%. And our own healing cannot be attached to wanting to change someone else. Stay on you. All right, before I move on to assignments for you, I got to talk about the baby thing for a minute. Please, please, ladies and gentlemen, but especially ladies, do not have a baby to get love. I repeat, do not have a baby to get love and be really conscious of this. We talked about this with Lindsay. Even she saw that in a lot of ways, she felt responsible for being the source of unconditional love for her mom. Her mom wasn't loving herself. And I asked her very directly, do you want to put that on a child? If you're craving to be a mother, I want you to first look at how you are mothering yourself. Please get to that space of unconditional love and compassion and sweetness for you so that you can really nurture a soul into the world rather than expecting them to fill you up with the unconditional love that you are not giving yourself. All right, some takeaways from this call. First, take an honest look at your coping devices. Are they addictions or are they in the danger zone of becoming an addiction? Do you need to back off because you're right at kind of that tipping point? If you are, no, right now you still have choice. You can still reel it in. And the best way to be able to do that is to deal with the emotional level. And if you feel like maybe you've crossed over into that line of addiction, get in a 12-step program. Or if you're in a relationship or have had a relationship with an addict, Al-Anon is a 12-step program. And take an honest look at your relationships. Ask people super close to you what they notice about relationships you may be in. Do you have blind spots? If you're feeling like maybe your romantic relationship isn't serving you or isn't for your highest good or isn't inspiring your growth in a healthy way, maybe ask one of your closest friends and say, all right, give it to me straight. What do you see? What do you observe? Next, write a list of the things you desire and what you think will make you feel them. For example, if you think a job will make you feel more successful or a certain amount of money will make you feel safe or losing 20 pounds will make you feel confident. And then look at what you're looking for outside and work on feeling those things inside so you can self-generate. And finally, ask the universe for the help you need and want. A lot of times we know we need help. We know we need accountability. We know we need support, but we don't know where to get it. So put that in your prayers. Universe, guide me to the teachers. Guide me to the support group. Guide me to the soul friends. God, I'm ready. I'm ready to heal and deal. I surrender. Show me the way in a way that I can really recognize. Make it obvious for me with grace. And whatever your own words are, ask for help from that place of sweet surrender. And before I sign off, I just want to share one more thing. You probably have heard me talk about Secret Sauce, which is my business training program where I teach you how to build your business, whatever it is, from the inside out. Makes it a lot easier. And there's a free video training series right now where I talk to you about what your secret sauce is, what your why is, how to really use your story to inspire your work. So if you go to christinehassler.com slash SS, you can get all the videos there. I'm sending you so much love and reminding you of the truth. You are 
love and you are very, very loved. Thank you for listening to Over It Non With It. I love hearing from you. So please post your comments or questions at christinehasler.com slash podcast. That's also the place you can sign up to receive coaching from me in an upcoming episode. And if you love this show, please share it and subscribe on iTunes. You can find all my social media handles and sign up to be part of my community at christinehasler.com. Until next week, here's to getting over it and on with it. Much love and many blessings. Blessings.